0: Yo, what's good, y'all? Welcome to the John Cat Show, episode number 32. Keeping these things moving along. Uh, Took a little time off for the holidays. I hope everybody had an amazing Christmas weekend and uh, having an easy week back to work or whatever y'all are doing so far. It's uh, probably about Wednesday right now. Got the new intro. If you guys notice, I've been changing up the intro music when the episode starts, kind of teasing these lists that I've been doing at the end of each show. I've been doing like top 10 lists. Today's going to be top five, at the end of the show, top five all-time rappers. Johnny's all-time favorite rappers, top five rap artists, you know, like hip-hop rap, not like rap and presence. So for anybody who's a true aficionado, you might have uh, picked something up there on the intro. It's a pretty obvious one, though, given my age, but we'll see. This this might be one of my my more obvious lists, maybe a couple Maybe one curveball in there. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, again, Merry Christmas to people. I'm, you know, I'm Jewish. I still say Merry Christmas to people. I assume most people, you know, I'll say it online. I feel weird. Like if somebody says back to me, Merry Christmas. I'm not going to correct them and go, oh, I'm a Jew. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'll make little jokes, but, um, you know, and to be honest, for me, you know, I, I actually, my life's a little unique in certain Regards, anyway, because you know, I was I was tweeting the other day. I go, Christmas still has like a magical feel to it. I was like, they're gonna pull my Jew card for saying that, but it's true. Like the Christmas week and season with the the movies and the songs, it just you know, it's like Disney World. It kind of makes you feel like a kid again. You know, a I grew up in Virginia, in Lynchburg, Virginia. There was like a handful of Jewish kids in my whole school. Maybe you know, a couple in my grade. Um, So every friend I had celebrated Christmas uh, as a kid and, you know, I would tag along with their youth groups and do all kinds of stuff. You know, we were still, you know, I don't know, not I'm not a religious Jew at all. We still do Hanukkah and all our own holidays. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I was exposed to a lot of that. And then, you know, my dad married his second wife uh, when I was maybe, I don't know, 10 or 11 so we and, and she was Catholic, so we would actually spend Christmases with her family and she would have a tree at her or my dad's place. So like I got the whole firsthand experience for many years. We would go up there. And my sister and I would always be at my dad's place up north during Christmas. And subsequently, then we would end up celebrating both holidays. We would do Hanukkah and we do Christmas with her family and all that. And uh, it was always like a really fun, you know, all the food, and, you know, and then and then after that, I went on to, you know, meet and date, and then ultimately marry, you know, who I've spent most of my adult life with, also a Christian woman, so I ended up, for the most of my adult years, also doing Christmas at the, you know, in-laws and what have you, and uh, experiencing all that, you know, you got, like, the baked ham and the mac and cheese and stuff, Jews are doing, like, latkes and and matzo ball soup and stuff. But uh, look, not the religious parts of Christmas, but I like the Christmas vibes. It's it's nothing to do with the Jesus part and everything to do with the, with the holiday season and the vibes that go along with it. And obviously, it's fun giving and receiving presents and buying stuff you think people are going to like and getting stuff you like. And, you know, w- what's not to enjoy about all that? But yeah, you know, Christmas is also—it's a tough time for a lot of people for a million reasons. It's cliche; they always say the holidays are tough. Holidays are tough for a lot of reasons, go without saying. As magical as they are, you know, a lot of times it's reminders of other things and all that. And uh, I was talking about this on the on my Walker. I did a Walker vlog. Y'all should check out. This isn't something I'm posting on my podcast. Like, it's not going on YouTube or or uh, any of the podcasts channels. It's just going on my Twitter. If you don't follow me, John cat show. I do like I've been going on a lot of walks. So, you know, you can only post like a two minute video, two minute and 20 second video on Twitter. So I'm doing like these two minute videos when I'm walking. It'll be something different each time I did my first one earlier. Johnny's Walker vlog volume one. And uh, no, I was just talking about how, you know, life's tough. Life's tough for a lot of people, and um, most people keep all that real stuff to themselves. And, you know, you don't know what other people are going through, and life is all about human connection. And whether it's, you know, just on here or, or on social media or whatever, it's still meaningful to people to be able to discuss things and share things. And it's like, honestly, beyond You know, I I pointed out earlier that people always say, you know, communication is key and and it is. However, it's the comprehension that's the key. If there's no comprehension, the communication doesn't mean shit, right? You got to actually comprehend somebody and understand what they're saying and acknowledge it. You know, like almost everyone you meet of every personality type has that one thing in common. You know, some people crave certain types of affection or certain types of love and, and so forth. But almost everybody just has this incessant need to be like understood and acknowledged. You know what I mean? Like if you're communicating with somebody and they keep repeating things in different ways, like all they really want is for you like to believe that you actually on a deep level absorbed what they're saying and can took it into consideration. Yeah, they want you to agree with them, but it's more than that. It's um, it's it's a being understood. It's a being seen. It's like, it's really what drives the human spirit and the connection that people have. It, without that, there's no connection. You're not going to connect with someone unless you're at least attempting to understand them and acknowledge them and see them on a real level, not just some surface bullshit. You're keeping all your real emotions and feelings and thoughts hidden. And you're just presenting something on the outside, like how are you ever going to have any type of authentic interaction or communication uh, that way? You know, and I'm one of those people, like a lot of people are, are really stuck in our own heads. Like we are overthinking things all the time. You know, we're we're questioning everything. We're replaying every little thing in our past and all these weird little things we could have done different and regrets. And it's like we go over and over and then we're thinking about all the different scenarios in the future and what might go wrong with all these type things, you know. And then, you know, people have these voices in their heads. I say it all the time. It's not, you know, I say demons, whatever. There's stuff telling people, some a lot more than others, you know you're not good enough, whatever. It's like, or you're or you're not deserving of certain things. It It's what causes people to really keep their their guards up. And a lot of that comes from, I think, past experience that people have had. And sometimes I think it's just ingrained in people. It's a combination, who knows? But I know that uh, a lot more people deal with that type of stuff than you let on. And, and you know, the human condition is not easy. We all go, yeah, yeah, like a lot of people, I'll tell you something, the people that go like, oh man, just, uh, you know, suck it up, move on, whatever, like, those people are hurting more than anybody. Those people are the most scarred up and, and most out of touch with what's actually going on inside of them, like, the ones who want to be completely nonchalant about the shit, <laughs> that's the guy who's hurting the most, believe me, you know, because there, there really is no more dangerous and damaging place for a lot of people than just being in your own head that's not it's not a safe place for a lot of people to be you know so it's like it's it's how we it's how we react to all that it's like you really do have to take a proactive stance to so many things and you know something i i've talked i've you know i've had different issues my whole life more so as a young person and less so but i shouldn't even say you know in different ways, this stuff doesn't ever completely go away. Certain things you just uh, you learn how to manage it differently. Sometimes the ways you learn how to manage it you think are good because you've got it under control, but you've sacrificed so many other things to get there, and and oftentimes you don't realize that you've sacrificed that, or you pretend you don't care that you sacrificed it, and then you come to find out that. The way you've been doing it, you know, in some ways is is just as damaging as when you were experiencing those issues in a much more severe way. You just kind of changed it, you know. I've, something I've done my whole life for sure. I mean, you you limit things for comfort and security. You cut you cut certain things out. You know, I definitely am not. Look, I'm not even at, at a base level. I'm not the most trusting person. You know. I'd have a pretty, pretty small circle anyway. And certainly it'd be very small circle of people I truly trust. But you know, the truth is I probably wouldn't have as small of a circle if it was completely up to me. And certainly I'd probably want to be around more of like different types of people too. But if you look, I've always said I'm I'm a very nice guy. People always do kind of want to be around me because I'm easy to be around. I'm not, Saying that to Brad Woodard. I'm just, you know, I'm an easy person to be around. I let people be themselves. I've talked about this before, but, you know, I definitely, I'd love to say that I'm not and haven't been, you know, selfish or put myself ahead of other people and, you know, not doing stuff. See, here's my thing. I always said, okay, look, if, as long as I don't proactively hurt anybody, I'm good, right? And I just, I didn't even really think about that as cognitively as I'm saying it right now it was more like I just kind of knew I was a nice person in the sense that I don't ever really say cruel things to anybody you know even if I have the I curse a lot and all that sure but yeah like I'll say something in like at road rage that's different but like <laughs> anybody I know or interact with in a real way I'm never gonna call them a mean name. I'm never going to say anything personally cruel to try to hurt their feelings ever, ever. Um, and I, nor do I ever want to. And, and so I, have always kind of prided myself on that, but at the same time, no, would nobody would describe me as like Mr. Fucking dependable. You know what I mean? Like being there for people when they need you or participating in certain things, uh, that they want you to participate in it's like by not doing those things a you're you're you really do end up often hurting them worse than even if you had been you know mean or whatever you know but then b it's like people do just eventually kind of give up on you from a certain standpoint and um and they think yeah he's super nice but you know can't rely on the guy necessarily. That's not a good place to be either. And I think you can go on like that for a long, long time. And I think what people do is to maintain that, they go, well, I won't put anything in my life that's, you know, important enough that I'll, you know, be so devastated by if it costs me. So like, I'll just always kind of have my guard up uh, and I won't, participate in certain things. And I'll just completely avoid it all so that there is no expectation. Um, It's a dangerous, vicious cycle. And uh, I think a lot of people do that. I don't think that's just me. And I'll say again, listen, I'm not embarrassed to get on. Maybe I would have been before. Listen, before I did the podcast, I'm like, I'm going to talk to people, uh, strangers or even my family. It's, It's actually worse for people for like to know your family or people you know are listening to this. I tell my mom all the time, like stop commenting on things I say on my pod or my tweets. Like I got to block out that you even listen to it. Or if I'm thinking about the fact that you listen to it, I'm I'm not going to want to say it certain. Meanwhile, I'm reminding myself right now. But even strangers, too, it's like, ah, what am I going to say stuff and let people hear my thoughts like that? I don't even know. Truth is, I'm not embarrassed by it. We'll all, I'll say again, all the time, we will all be dead soon. Point blank period. Say what you want to say. Just say it. If there's stuff you want to say to other people in your life, whatever, just say it. What's the difference? You know, whether it's a friend or a loved one or someone on Twitter or whatever. Are you wasting time keeping your real real thoughts and feelings and opinions to yourself? That's crazy. Fuck it. And like I said, it's from a selfish standpoint, it's cathartic for me anyway. I get on here and talk about this stuff. I'm my own therapist. Stole that line from a, well, it's on my own shrink. It's a 21 Pilots line. It's true. I am my own shrink. Nobody thinks what I think. Nobody dreams when they blink. Think things on the brink of blasphemy. I'm my own shrink. Think things are after me. I'm my catastrophe. I'm a kitchen sink. All right. That's actually interesting. That. Song's called "Kitchen Sink." If you don't know it, by Twenty One Pilots, that's an amazing song. I'm gonna do a Twenty One Pilots song list. They got a deep, deep library. I'm not emo. I love that band. If you ever want a band that really captures, um, like, a combination of just like pain and anger, and no song sounds the same. They got rapping. They got rock. They got all. It's I couldn't call it a certain genre. It's uh, all types of different singing and. I don't even know what to call it. 21 Pilots. That song is called Kitchen Sink. It actually is kind of a good representation representation of how genreless they are. But uh, interestingly, that line says, I'm a kitchen sink. Now, when he wrote that song, he said, at my kitchen sink. Because he was kind of alluding to this personal experience or epiphany he had when he was at his kitchen sink. But it makes way more sense as I'm a kitchen sink. And everyone thought he was saying, I'm a kitchen sink. Like, I'm all these things put together. And it goes on to say, you don't know what that means, yada, yada. But so he changed it. So now when he performs it, and I believe they changed it on like some But like, if you look up the lyrics, I believe it says, I may not at my. And when he performs it, he says, I'm a now. Because he said, hey, once you do a song. It belongs to the fans, doesn't belong to us. If that's how they like it, that's how I'm going to sing it. I thought that was pretty cool. He's a cool dude. He, talk about someone who's battled some fucking demons, is that guy, Tyler Joseph, lead singer of 21 Pilots. You could look up his history. Uh, he's got a dark past, too. Listen, artists often uh, have dealt with some of the darkest stuff, that's for sure. But so, yeah, you know, don't be embarrassed to tell people stuff about yourself or or to put your card down sometimes or say something vulnerable. Like what's the difference? If if you have an impulse to share something with somebody and you're not doing it because you're afraid of what might happen, it's like you, you really got to sit there and think about, okay, I'm going to be dead soon. You know, like if I'm lucky, I'll have like another half century or whatever, you know, uh, you really got to think about that in a real, real, real kind of way, and then you, and then you go, why am I worried about what this guy thinks about that or whatever? Like, if something you want to do, do it. Something you if something you want to say, just say it. Do what you want to do. Be who you are. Stop, stop hiding from everybody. It's bad. I guess the whole the whole main point I'm trying to make here is like, don't live in your own head too damn much. You know, that's not necessarily a good place to be it, it can it can paralyze you it can make you indecisive and believe me indecision uh, will cost you and and inaction will cost you as much as doing something proactively you know it makes you act out defensively too because you, you get this false sense of like righteousness and you feel ashamed. And, you know, when you're ashamed, you act defensive and cavalier and nonchalant and and you you kind of lash out at other people because, I mean, think about it. How often have you ever seen somebody just kind of go, yeah, sorry, like I'm really ashamed of my behavior or whatever, like people eventually get there. But in the moment when they're feeling that way and they they don't even realize they're feeling that way or that they're doing that, it's such a conditioned reaction. Like you really do have to stop and go, OK, wait a minute let me step back from this. Let me look at it objectively. Let me think about this long term. What am I actually doing here? What am I accomplishing? How would I advise someone else in this situation? Like if this was my friend or my brother and he was like, if I was just really looking at it objectively, what would I say to this person? What would I advise them to do? Because to be honest, I, I really do look back at some of my worst decisions or indecisions and I don't remember what I'm thinking or feeling. And I talk about this all the time on here. It's like when you're in a certain state of mind or feeling, it's so hard. You can remember kind of what you did, but maybe other people aren't like this. Maybe it's if you're in heightened states of stress or who the fuck knows. But I could tell you that if I've ever reacted poorly and done bad shit, especially as it related to me feeling too much stress, where I was like, you know, paralyzed by it. I look back and I go, oh, I don't know what the fuck I was even thinking because it doesn't make sense to me. So if you got to decide important things or you're feeling indecisive or you're just paralyzed, like you you, you really can't just sit there with the indecisiveness. There is no, you may think in your mind, like I've thought in my mind, okay, I'm just going through this mental process and and I'm figuring it out. And look, there is some of that. You should always be very calculating and considerate if it's something big, but then you just got to, you got to just do it at that point. Uh, You definitely don't want to stand on the edge of the cliff, just trying to convince yourself to jump. If you're going to jump into the water, jump into the water. If not, get the fuck down. The worst thing you do is stand up there on the edge and then convince yourself that you're standing on the edge because (laughs) of some noble cause then you, you justify it on top of that. That's not, that's uh that's a bad road to go down. But yeah, you know, people who act out defensively who are stuck in their own heads and they know they're not, it's like, they never admit they feel that way. You know, imagine if everybody really was just open and honest from the jump and, and, you know, aware in the moments of their actions. I mean you really do. You got you got to try to be aware of those things when they happen. Cuz look, you you really can fuck things up bad. Beyond repair. You can break anything. And you can be going along not even realizing that. You know, sometimes stuff happens just out of your control. You lose a loved one, whatever. Um, but you can be going along as a, you know, a simple, nice person, avoiding drama and and uh, avoiding things that, and and still you're going to get just smacked in the head one day with something. And then you're going to look at it you go, wow, it really was my fault on top of it. Because like you don't even, you think sometimes for something to be your fault, you got to be proactively doing something. And sometimes you do, oftentimes you do. But again, a lot of times it's the inconsideration, it's the indecision, it's the inaction Um, that had you just been able to get out of your own head for a minute and kind of sit back and look at the big picture objectively, you, you perhaps could change it. And I mean, that's what they always say, that all these things are lessons in life. You know, there is no regret. Uh, mistakes are lessons. I heard, I heard somebody say, uh, recently that, you know, cause you always hear people say, well, you know, learn from your mistakes. Don't treat it as a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. This guy actually phrased it different. I liked it. He said, he said, you should learn to love your mistakes. I like that. You should, because it's like, you already did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you don't love all the stuff you do, I mean, Look, everything, uh, you could be exception person and go, well, what if you, you know, murder, whatever. Obviously, if you murder somebody, you shouldn't love that you murdered them. But learn <laughs> learn to love your mistakes in the sense that, uh, maybe he phrased it better than me, but just in the sense that it's still you, it's still part of you. It's it's like you can't hate yourself. You hate too many things that you've done, even if they ended up with a bad outcome. In a way, you're just hating yourself. Like, you gotta be so much easier on yourself. Forgiving yourself is really, really paramount. Like, to everything, it really is. Like, self forgiveness. If I had to stress anything in life or anything I've probably learned recently, I'd say it's that. Like, really, really, really truly. You could tell most people the advice of don't be so damn hard on yourself. People are really, really hard on themselves. Like, even when people are angry, if you, if you find people are angry and they're holding on to anger, they're really angry at themselves most of the time. Like, even if they've been hurt or wronged by somebody else, they're still mad at themselves. It's always like the fact that they allowed themselves, they still go back. See, like what I was talking about before, they still go back and they replay it and they go, well, if I had done this thing differently, that would happen to me. Or if I'd only had seen this coming, or if I didn't put myself in that position, Everyone does that. Everyone questions their own behavior and is really upset with themselves as much as whoever else at the end of the day. And again, it's cliche, but you really have to forgive yourself before you're going to forgive anybody else. And if you're still feeling anger, then you haven't forgiven. You you could say, oh, well, I've forgiven this or that. But if you're still angry, then on a deep enough level, you actually have not let that go. And I always say you're, you're never going to push against and beat that stuff away, you, ever. If, when you try to do that, you try to push it away, it's coming in. You just end up with a stalemate where you're, you're stuck inside the middle of you. You really have to let it go through you and just kind of surrender. You really do. You got to go, I surrender to it and I'm letting it pass back through me because you cannot go back and change the fucking past. No matter how bad you want to So you're only left with two options. You can hold on to stuff and be angry and bitter. Or you can just let it pass through you and let it go. And be thankful and learn from it. And know that the next time you're not going to do it. It's really all you can fucking do. And it doesn't mean you're not still going to feel pain and sadness and loss and remorse. You're allowed to feel those things. In fact, it's much worse to sit there and go, well, shit. I shouldn't be feeling these things. And then you get angry about feeling those things. And it's just, it's a, da, 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 it's a cycle. Just go, it's fine. I'm allowed to feel sad about this. I'm allowed to feel heartbroken about this. I'm allowed to feel, but it's like, okay, now what? What can you do about that? Nothing. Just keep moving forward. Day's going to keep going on. You'll be dead soon. Keep it going. Because I'm, I'm telling you, man, when we sit alone with our own thoughts, just obsessing and ruminating and going, what? what did i do here and what could i have done here and what if this thing happens it's like past stuff present stuff future stuff let that shit go forgive yourself forgive everybody else allow yourself to be sad if you want to be sad or feel lost it's two different things surrender to it all let it go and then keep on moving and then and then help other people as much as you can with this stuff too or in general just help but again cuz other people are dealing with all the same shit you're dealing with and you think they're not dealing with it and they think you're not dealing with it i'll go back to what i said in the beginning what well, people want most of all other than the essentials and health and all it's it's beyond love yeah people want to be loved they want to be understood they want to connect and people who are especially like that, who, who are overthinking like I was talking about, and some people really do need more reassurance than other people. You know, some people don't need as much, to be honest. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves the acknowledgement and the understanding and the reinsurance, even the people that don't need it on the same level. But some people really, really need it just to kind of even function. And if you know those kind of people... You know, help them out, talk to them, let them know you understand them, offer to just listen to them. What's the difference? All right. On that note, helping people. There we go. I always wrap up the show. Help people do something for somebody, do something for somebody in real life and just do it because you mean it. And it really is very rewarding to you, to them, to the world. Why the fuck not? All right. With that, I'm going to move on. We're wrapping up the show. I'm going to move on to the top five all-time rap artist list. This is my, again, I'm, you know, I'm 42. So generationally, when I pick things for these types of lists, it's going to have a lot to do with my own personal experiences and uh, who would have been in my era versus somebody who's, let's say, half my age. They're going to have a whole completely different list, I'm sure. But let's kick this off going to be an obvious one. Like I said, number one on the list, best rapper all time. Hands down Tupac, Tupac Shakur. Listen, if you were a teen in the nineties and Tupac's not your favorite rapper, I don't trust you. And people go, oh, Biggie or Nas and all this stuff. Listen, Pac revolutionized the whole game. Yeah. Nas was amazing. And all these, they're amazing. They're great lyricists. Tupac changed the entire game. I, what was he, 24 when he was killed? I should not know that. It's pretty sad. I'm I'm like 99% sure he was 24 when he was killed. Point being, the dude had like five, he lived in the studio. He had like five, six albums or something he put out when he was alive. Literally lived in the studio. They created, I remember when I was like, I don't know, it was a couple years after he died, I I, I found some catalog that offered these but they were going under the name Machiavelli because his Machiavelli album came out after he was killed. It was stuff he recorded and then it was put out right after he was killed. But this thing was offering like 15 CDs of unreleased Machiavelli content. So I ordered it and I got like 15 burnt, you know, CD-ROM discs of all these Tupac songs I never heard before, like 100 songs. I'm like, now you can go on and find all this and everyone's like, even today they're putting out posthumously is that the word posthumous posthumously even now they're putting out stuff new songs that people haven't heard stuff he did in the studio like the dude just has an endless 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 library but when i say he changed the game he really is the first guy that started putting like the melodies in there and doing some of the more like the slower down like it wasn't just the bop 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 and uh everybody today who's in hip-hop or rap or whatever was influenced by the fact that Tupac was doing it the way he was doing it. In fact, I'm going to do one day like a top 10 Tupac songs list. Because again, it's a that's, that'll be hard. It's a deep, deep, deep library. I'm going to do a top 10 Tupac list for sure coming up on one of these episodes. All right, keep it moving along. Coming in at number two, got to go with Eminem for a couple reasons. Again, one, the long, long he actually has a deep library because of his longevity. You know he's been doing this a couple decades now, deep, deep, deep library. Probably the best lyricist. The way that he stacks the lyrics and verses together and started hitting the, uh, you know, hitting them in an unorthodox way. The natural t- and listen, I don't mean this, but the fact that he's a white dude and he was still able to gain that kind of credibility and success and not be seen as like a goofy dorky guy. That just is what it is. I don't mean that from any kind of racial standpoint, but you know, most uh, most rappers are black guys, and historically speaking, white rappers have been seen as kind of cheesy. That's changed a lot over the last few years, but Eminem was the one and only for a long time that had like the the real cred in the rap game, and was seen by many as the best, if not one of the best, or as one of the best, if not the best, by his peers and everybody else. All right, coming in at number three, uh, I got to go with Lil Wayne, Wheezy. You know, also, it's to him and M, from a lyricist standpoint, some of the bars that Lil Wayne puts together are just so damn clever. And uh, and again, the way he arranges it all, and again, the longevity, the library, the collaborations, people don't even know young, young Wayne versus like, current wayne but that's another dude's been doing it and just like his own style like you know tight pants and skateboard like you know the guy's a skater uh and he's also a blood it's like he's just such a unique character and then he says things in interviews that are just completely against the grain of of stances you would think he'd have and all that so nothing not to love about wayne and just made so many bangers and so many good songs and still going All right, coming in at number four, I do have to go with Biggie, Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls. Yes, a lot of that with The Era. No, he did not have the library Tupac had. Uh, He did not live in the studio that way. I don't think Biggie wrote down lyrics. He would just kind of memorize in his head. A lot of guys do that. I think Jay-Z did a lot of that, too. Imagine just writing a whole rap song in your head and then recording it and not writing it down. It's crazy, but... The albums he did have out, the two specific Ready to Die and then Life After Death, the double disc that came out also, I believe, right after he recorded it while he was alive. But between those two, and I listened to those discs as much as anything. I mean, even by college, I remember walking around UMass campus freshman year with the old Ready to Die CD just inserted in my CD-ROM, I could still rap. I'm going to rap for y'all one day. I'm going to rap some Tupac, some Biggie. It'll be, we'll do a Johnny rap episode. That should be interesting. But no, Biggie was a god. The the natural talent, the bass in his voice. And again, he was kind of doing it in a more traditional style, but he was just so damn good at it and, uh, and so creative with the lyrics that he wrote. And just such a, you know, Big Magnanimous. What is the word? Gregarious? I don't fucking know. He was that guy. Alright, coming to number five. This is like my only curveball. It's the only curveball in the throat. This was hard. I was thinking like Drake. I love so many Drake songs and stuff but when I do these lists I get nostalgic and um, I had to go number five with cast. And I know that's not one artist. I know it's two. And I know Andre 3000 got all weird later on and I don't know about all his new stuff but the old Outkast stuff, the Southern Playlistic Cadillac music and AT Aliens. I remember when like, my cousins got into Outkast, it was like a decade later. And I was like, what is this? This does not sound like Outkast. And uh, they almost did kind of go away and then come back and reinvent themselves. But what I listened to, that, the AT Aliens disc specifically got as much play in my first car as anything I probably had in this in the CD deck. And they also, they really revolutionized Southern rap. There was always East Coast, West Coast, but there wasn't really any Southern rap going on. And they're from Atlanta and they had the Southern drawl. And look how many rappers after that became famous and, and had success from the South that probably wouldn't have if OutKast didn't kind of break the mold there. But it was just such unique music, and they were putting such unique melodies and beats behind it, and uh, they were having all kinds of fun with it, and some of those songs were just so catchy. I mean, they had a couple that are, you know, to this day, some of the most successful rap songs of all time. So Outkast coming in at number five. That is my list, top five Johns all-time rap. Gotta give a shout-out, like I said, to Drake and Jay-Z for sure. I love Jay. Listen, I know how people... I. People go over oh, his politics. I don't give a fuck. I'll say it again. I give it zero fucks what someone's politics are. It's not why I like the guy. Jay-Z is amazing. I could rap a bunch of Jay-Z songs for you too. Him and uh, him and Drake would have come in six and seven. Beyond that, eight, nine, ten would have been a lot tougher. So I kept it to a top five. But there you go. And listen, some of these future lists are going to be obscure. I just said I'm going to do a top ten Brad Pitt movies. We got to be able to string this out. And uh, I pointed out earlier, I think I'm going to do that next step. Brad Pitt, most underrated actor. I don't know if he's the best actor he's up there, but he's the most underrated. Guys, people get hurt sometimes by being good looking or kind of like a mimbo. And uh, just from a talent standpoint, somehow he's just able to fucking really act his ass off and and almost never makes a bad movie either. That's so huge. You know, 90% of his movies are just absolute banger movies. So that's it, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Really appreciate you for tuning in, subscribing, all that. Uh, Check me out on Twitter. Like I said, I'll be doing those Walker vlogs at John Show, And I will be back with another podcast in a few days. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. New year coming up. It's a nice time of year. Everybody just be chill, be loving, be appreciative. And uh, I will see you all soon. Thank you so much. Be good.